everyone. I hope you guys are having a wonderful day. Welcome to drboystv.com, the home for intelligent black people. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and I want to say hello to everybody. I hope you guys are are doing well today. Uh, let me know if you can hear me all right. Uh, today on drboystv.com, we're going to talk about uh, single parents, particularly single mothers. And I'm going to explain to you why single mothers have the lowest uh, net worth in the country. And uh, again, it's not to disparage single mothers. Uh, my mother was a single mother, but I think that there are some economic and social issues that should be discussed in terms of what economic culture looks like and how we can get where we want to get to. So uh, let me know if you can hear me. Give me a quick yes. If you can hear me, let me know if you can hear me. Okay. Shout out the city you're from. And uh, we're going to get started on drboystv.com right now. Here we are, clan, the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now, family, we the ones who got to delegate. Get that money in the power, never be fake. Stick to co-sign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten. Three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is bliss, but we can turn it to intelligence. Please, none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down here on Dr. Voice TV. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to drboystv.com, the home for intelligent black people. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and I want to say good morning to everybody. Uh, shout out the city that you're from, and I want to say what's up to everybody on Instagram. How you guys doing? Uh, it's so good to see you. My Instagram is Dr. Boyce Finance. Um, I had a big, gigantic Instagram with like half a million people on it, and then, and then Instagram just shut me down. So maybe that means I need to start running my mouth so much, but it's okay. We got millions of followers on other platforms, so it's totally okay. If you want to find me on the gram, just go to Dr. Boyce Finance. Also, I am on Spotify and Apple. I'm on about 50 platforms, so if you go to Spotify and Apple, look up Boyce Watkins. You'll find my podcast there. I have two podcasts. One is called The Dr. Boyce Breakdown, and the other one is How to Make Money Without Working. So I want to say good morning to Michael Biden and phases of us chris good join from south carolina alicia chan out of philly y'all know i like that name alicia alicia david kirby from minneapolis minnesota good to see you i love you too man thank you so much for saying that brother uh mo greed out of montclair new jersey uh, i see dk out of detroit and santa santiadra is that right the answer's in the title they're single oh ooh, okay santiadra came in guns blazing uh let's see here uh faces of us travis rogers darren crawford john thomas uh, thompson so good to see everybody uh hit that thumbs up button thumbs up thumbs up real quick everybody thumbs up share subscribe everything else all right so let's hop into the conversation for today all right so one thing i want to talk about was something that was on my mind today and i wrote about it in my book the 10 commandments of black economic power which is out there on amazon or drboysbooks.com and basically in this book i talk a lot about culture and uh there is a lot of um well, a conversation about economic culture that I don't really know if we are going to if that we understand or we learn in school. Uh, we don't learn. We don't understand that one of the most important things about money and economics is that uh, how many business school classes you've taken doesn't really matter as much as the culture you come from. Uh, for example, when I was 22 years old, that was when I taught my first college level finance class. I, I was I was good. I was the number one finance student on the entire campus of the University of Kentucky. I won the Wall Street Journal Outstanding Graduate senior award. I knew a lot about finance. I, I, I probably forgotten more about finance than most people will learn in three lifetimes. I kid you not. I've been doing this for a minute. And uh, let me tell you this, though, despite the fact that I had all this education in economics, despite, despite the fact that I'd taken all these classes, 
I wasn't applying a lot of what I learned because it wasn't in my culture. I was I didn't own a lot of stock in my 20s because people in my family did not own stock. Let me know if you know what I'm talking about. I did. I didn't try to start businesses because people in my family didn't start businesses. Uh, I didn't own real estate in my 20s because a lot of people don't don't, um, you know, in my family don't own a lot of real estate. A lot of people are renters and, and borrowers and things like that. So uh, effectively, culture overrides training. Culture can override your training culture, your, your subconscious mind. Which which is what affect which your culture affects your culture affects your subconscious mind. Any good therapist will tell you that that your subconscious mind overrides the conscious mind. Let me know if you know what I'm talking about. I hope I'm not talking over anybody's head when I talk about the subconscious mind because it's extremely important for us to understand this. My wife's an expert on the subconscious mind. That's why she uh, helped me come up with the idea of creating the first ever black financial therapy department, because we're literally giving people financial therapy because you'd be stunned by how much financial trauma, financial anxiety, uh, et cetera, affects your economics in your community. This is something nobody else is really talking about. Everybody's talking about how to get money, but nobody's talking about how to get healing. Uh, you, you, you go to you go to an investment event and they talk all day about making money. But the question is, are we talking also about healing uh, our souls, healing our spirits, heal, healing our families, healing ourselves physically and mentally. That's extremely important, right? So so here's where I want to uh, jump into this. And this is what led me to do this conversation today. Sometimes God just drops an idea in my, in my brain from the ether. I share it immediately because I don't want to forget that idea. So I was thinking about this. And, I, and again, I wrote about some of this in my book. Um, Single mothers. Let's talk about single mothers, right? Because that's a, that's an interesting topic. It's a it's a controversial topic. People have different opinions, right? There are people. Uh, I married a woman who was technically a single mother, um, and uh, and I had some guys that didn't understand that. They said, "Well, why would you do that? That's crazy." And, and that's okay. I get it. They people have their different opinions. You have a right to have an opinion, but I have a right to have mine. And I'm a grown ass man, and I'm gonna do what works for me. I'm not following the crowd. I'm not a a follower. I'm a leader. That's what I. That's what leaders do. Leaders just do what they're going to do. They don't sort of sit around and wait for somebody to tell them that it's okay to do it. I met my wife. I loved her. I thought she was gorgeous. I love the kids. It is an honor to raise these black children. It is an honor to be in this household and I'll never, ever walk away from that. So that's the first position I want to start with. And I want to give a shout out to every parent out here who is doing right by their kids. If you got kids, raise your hand, say something in the chat. Give me a yes. If you got kids, I want to just make that clear so that nobody interprets or misinterprets this discussion as some sort of, of, of a bash fest of single parents, because I don't think single parents need to be bashed. They should be supported. And that's what it is. All right. But also I want you to support yourself. And that's why sometimes the conversations, if they're going to be honest, will take us in a direction that may make us feel a little bit weird, right? May, may sort of challenge our thinking a little bit, right? So, so let me know if it's okay if I challenge your thinking. If I challenge your thinking without you getting mad, that's the goal. Okay. All right. So here's what I want to uh, explain to you guys. The, 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 first off, I've looked at a lot of data, a lot of research, you know, when I was when I was teaching at Syracuse University, all we did was look at data all day and research all day. And uh, one of the things that gives you uh, insights, like, like so, for example, like like how people get rich, that's not a mystery to me. We we know exactly what people do to get rich. Uh, why black people have less wealth than white people, that's not a mystery. I've seen all the data. We know exactly what that is, right? Um, and one of the things that I have that I remember noticing is that single mothers have the worst or lowest net worth of any group of people in America. If you look at the median net worth of a single mother, particularly a single black mother with children, her net worth is way down here. White women, single white women are much higher, like probably a hundred times higher. Um, but even they're low relative to families. Right. And, uh, and, 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 and so, so, so understanding this, 
is part of understanding the wealth equation and what wealth kind of looks like and what that means for you. Now, here's the thing. Um, you know, this is not a blanket endorsement for marriage. This is not me saying you're doing it wrong. It's me saying that uh, there are some some simple reasons why there, this wealth disparity exists. And then there's deeper reasons why. The simple reason that uh, that single parents, particularly single mothers with children, have a lower net worth than everybody else is largely because, you know, raising kids, I believe, is a two parent, sometimes three person job. You know, if anybody's got kids, you understand, like we were to raise our kids and keep up with them damn rugrats. We need the mama, the daddy, the the auntie, the grandma. The, like we need help from everybody. We we get on the phone with grandma. And we're like, can you talk to this little sucker in here that, that won't listen to nothing? She ain't doing what she's supposed to. Right. So so it does take a village to raise a child. In fact, I, I did write a book called "It Takes a Village to Raise the Bar." You don't have to buy it. You can have it free if you text the word "stock" to three one nine nine six. I'll send you an e copy of the book. But anyway. So, so it takes a village, right? So that's part of it, right? If you are uh, focused on being a parent, it's hard to multitask. It's hard to focus on being a parent and being a big time earner at the same time. It's hard to, uh, you know, go out and make a million dollars and still spend all the time, put a million dollars worth of effort into raising these kids. Because when you're raising kids, you're, you're talking about a million dollars worth of game. You're talking about a million dollars worth of time. You're talking about the fact that it takes, uh, there's 8,760 hours in a year. Uh, that means that a decade of raising children takes away 87,600 hours of your time. You double that uh, to a 20-year period, let's say, then you're getting approximately, or you back it down to 18, you're talking about approximately 180,000 hours. No, I did that math totally wrong. About 150,000 hours. So think about this. 150,000 hours of your time is pretty much dedicated to getting those kids to the age of 18 without them dying or something. Right. Which, which is really important. You know, when I talk to my, my girls and we talk about being a mom, I say actually being a mom is the most important job in our society. Unfortunately, because our society is crumbling and America is not what it used to be. America's going to, it's getting worse every year. Uh, we don't value that. <clears throat> we don't support moms the way we should. We don't do the things we're supposed to do. We don't uh, incentivize the development of strong, solid families, which is critical for developing solid communities. So effectively, America's going to struggle. But I, I let her know. I said, look, if moms stop doing their jobs tomorrow, we would have a whole nation full of serial killers. Give me a yes if you understand. If you take away the love and the nurturing and the attention that mothers give babies, those babies grow up and they pick up AK-47s and they shoot up the school. Right. You all know what I'm talking about. OK, so effectively, we know how important that job is. Right. So you're doing this really important, difficult job. You're kind of doing it by yourself. That's really hard. When when are you going to find time to go out here and then also learn how to go make money? Seriously, I mean, when, when, it's hard. It's really freaking hard. I mean, seriously, look, I, I've I've made money. I I I was pretty good at making money. I got a whole PhD in money. <laughs> all we did was study money all day long, right? And I and so I got good at making money. Um, but that took a lot of time and energy. It took a lot. I had to read a thousand books. I had to you know, go to a million seminars. I had to talk to a million people. I had to do a lot of stuff in order to learn how to make money. And, and I can tell you, if I was spending that same amount of time trying to raise a bunch of kids while I'm figuring out how to make money, it would have been much more difficult. Not to say it's impossible, but it would have been much, much harder. Right. And so so the, the, the strength of the partnership, the reason I'm so honored to be married to this awesome black woman is because we just brought our superpowers together. We became super friends. You know, we became super friends. You know, like, you know, remember those super friends, they get together and be like, shape of an octopus. 
you know, in the form of a thunderstorm. And they would get together and they formed this like team and they would just go kick everybody's ass. That's kind of what we sort of did. I said, look, I've been I've spent the last X number of years getting good at, at this skill. You spent the last X number of years getting good at that skill. Let's get together and let's trade skills. Let's help each other so that we can uh, really develop this empire that we're trying to create and help each other be successful. That is a conscious decision. It is also a conscious process that requires a lot of intentionality in terms of what it takes to develop, to visualize. First, you got to visualize the empire. Then you must develop and design the empire. Then you must execute on the building of the empire. And then you got to maintain and protect the empire. You understand? And so what does this mean? This means it takes lots of, uh, of, of, of healing, lots of growth. I had to grow. I had to grow to be a man, to be a husband. I had to, I couldn't be being a single man and being a husband are two different things. Those are two different realities for me. I had to grow. Um, it requires a lot of uh, learning. I had to learn. Okay. What do you do when you wake up on a Saturday morning and your wife's yelling at you for no reason and you don't know how to respond? I had to read books about that. I had to go talk to people. You, you have to learn kids. Um, how do you connect? How do you figure out a way to connect with a 13 year old boy who's mad at you because you're not his daddy and 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 he doesn't want to talk to you? How do you how do you work your way into his space and have influence on him without doing what your daddy did? And it, where he would my daddy would just came in there and strung me up. Right. I can't you can't do that to kids. Right. So. So what do you do? How do you handle it? Well, that requires growth. That requires um, uh, also other forms of emotional intelligence that had to be developed, like humility, humility. You know, like, how do you if you're if you're Dr. Boyce Watkins and you go all around the world and people are really nice to you and kiss your butt because of because they respect you? How do you go into a space where the kids don't care who you are? The kids ain't got no respect. Y'all know how kids are. Kids don't care. But they don't respect nothing. <laughs> they think everything we do is corny. Right. And, and so so how do you how do you deal? How do, or how do you deal with that when you come home and then your wife is yelling because of the garbage and got to, took out yet or whatever? Right. Like how do you, you know emotional intelligence? Right. Balance, patience, relaxing, chilling out, not letting your ego get out of control. Right. So so all these skills are required to uh, be able to preserve the empire. You understand? And, and so so what I would say to you is that if your goal, if that's your goal, right, if some of you are already doing it. Right. So if you're already doing it, then I, I think you should keep teaching other people because there are a lot of our people that don't know how to do it. But those of you that are figuring out how to do it or you're looking at the world and you're seeing a lot of people who can't do it. Uh, who don't want to do it, who don't want to learn how to do it, uh, I would encourage you to pay attention to that and learn the skills required for you to build the kind of empire that you're seeking to build. Because there, every single study I've ever seen pretty much shows that families have an easier time getting resources than single people, individual people. There's no point in all of human history or in no society you can name where a bunch of single parents and a broken families were able to accumulate wealth and power. Give me a yes if you understand. There's no example. There is no example out there. There's none. Right. So 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 ultimately, you're going to have to figure out what your hustle is going to look like and how you're going to get there. And it's going to require you to probably grow. And it's definitely going to require you to heal. And uh, if you want to know the number one problem in the black community, in my opinion, the number one economic problem for the black community is trauma. Trauma is the number one economic problem uh, for the black community. It ain't just white people. White people just add to your trauma, but it's really your trauma. It's unhealed trauma. That's the number one problem 
the number one economic health, physical problem, mental health, all that relationship, all of that, it's unhealed trauma. So uh, if you want to get better, I would encourage you to go research what trauma is, what it does to your body, what it does to your mind, how what it does to your relationships. And then I want you to come back to me and say, oh, my God, I can't believe what I just read because you will be blown away. I have an advantage on, on that because my wife is a trauma certified specialist, like she specializes in it. So when we're running and she's telling me stuff, I'm hearing all this stuff and I'm learning a lot of this stuff. So I know that if I'm learning it for the first time in my forties and fifties, I'm sure there, you know, I, I, I'm sure there's a lot of 28 year olds, 35 year olds who don't know any of these things. So get ahead of me, be better than me, learn it now. Don't wait. Don't, don't make mistakes first and then learn it, learn it now. And that I promise you, when you understand trauma, you will understand black people. <laughs> I kid you not. How many, anybody in here have experienced learn studying this stuff? Anybody give, give, let me know if you if you some of y'all already know a lot of stuff. I talked to a sister named Santrice last night, uh, who's a, a nurse practitioner and a, a psychology. Um, she studies psychology and criminal justice. And she we were talking all day about all just the whole time about trauma. And so so some of y'all already know it. But really, I'm kidding. I'm not kidding you. If you understand trauma, you'll understand a big segment of the black community. You'll you'll watch BET and be like. Now I understand why that pregnant lady with 85 tattoos is twerking and smoking a cigarette at the same time. Oh, that's just trauma. That's just her trauma. That's the trauma boogeyman coming out. <laughs> it's all, it's everywhere. You know, so trauma is like a psychological STD that has affected millions of people and, and it doesn't get checked or diagnosed. And then we, it, it, we infect each other. And then next thing you know, you just get, that's the next thing you know, the pregnant lady with 85 tattoos is twerking, right? Like really, or, or the black man shot, shot his girlfriend because she, took the Doritos and, and, and wouldn't let him play his Xbox and, uh, and whatever. Right. Or all this stuff. Right. So, so, so anyway, let me, before I move on, could you do me a favor? Please hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, subscribe. If you have not done this yet, you're watching drboystv.com, the home for intelligent black people. Uh, and like I said, I have the uh, on Spotify. If you look up my name or if you look up my other podcast, How to Make Money Without Working, it's all right there. Also, if you'd like to get a copy of my book, The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power, I have workbooks and flashcards to go with it. My wife's books are there as well. Feel free to go to drboystbooks.com. That's drboystbooks.com. And we even have financial flashcards we develop for kids. We we have a lot of tools in the black business school where we're really committed to this black wealth thing. We've been doing this. We've reached over probably half a billion views of videos so far. And, and uh, so thank you guys for, uh, for riding with us. Uh, we, our goal is to focus on our community and our community only. That's what we do. All right. So anyway, do me a favor. Uh, so, so, so as we move on, let me, um, let me mention this other thing too, in terms of, of single mothers. We're talking about single mothers having the lowest net worth in America, why this happens. Simple dynamics. It's very difficult to do a two-person job as one person. So uh, your economic numbers tend to be lower because uh, you don't have that ability to have what they call specialization of skill, right? Where one person says, I'll bring home the bacon. The other person says, okay, I'll cook it when you bring it back. You don't have that. You have one person that's bringing home the bacon and cooking it and managing the kids and dealing with whatever and managing their relationship with some dude that maybe comes by once every two weeks or whatever right it's life it's it is what it is but but here's the other thing that's interesting to me that i, I thought about this today that it really made me think a little bit generational curses are pretty huge in our community right generational curses are, are just not even generational curse. maybe you just say traditions right um and i started thinking about this i said if i grew up pay, pay attention now think about this 76% of all black children did not grow up with their father living in the house. 76% of all black children did not have their father in the house 
like waking them up every morning, you know, walking them to the bus stop. None of that. Right. Um, and a lot of this, I think this is this is integration. I, I think integration was one of the worst things that happened to black people because, you know, 80, 90 years ago, black people got married, stay married, all this other stuff. Now, you know, people just think marriage is bad and stupid. Well, I don't know what people think. But anyway, so so 76 percent of all black children don't have their father in the house. Now, I want you to really think about this in terms of what you're used to and how you would process relationships as you get older. And I'm going to use it. I'm going to do this with an example of saying, what if it were the reverse? What if instead of 76% of black children growing up without their father in the house, what if 76% of all black children grew up without their mother in the house? So 76% of the kids, three-fourths of them, only have their dad raising them. They have no experience of a woman being in the house, what women want, how women think, uh, you know, dealing with women, um, you know, having uh, women that, uh, you know, just, you know, like, I don't know, even little stuff, little basic stuff you don't even think about. Like, like, I, it's gonna sound weird, but I, I remember even noticing with my mother, how the, anybody else knows how the bathroom smells a little different, you know, when, when mama been in there, you know, you don't even get gross with y'all, but you know what I'm talking even though, oh, okay, but, but then you learn about little things like the menstrual cycle, you know, like, okay, what is that thing in the, in the, in the, in the garbage can? Oh, mama is whatever, right? You learn these little things, about women because mama's right there in the house, right? And so the girls are learning how to be successful from their mothers because their mother's right there like a drill sergeant, drilling them and coaching them and showing them womanhood, right? So so they're getting kind of this structured training on how to be successful, particularly educationally and, um, and, and economically, maybe not so much in terms of relationships, right? Because maybe mama's trauma affects how she even talks about men. Like, don't be, don't be spending time with them boys. You, you focus on your books, you focus on your schoolwork. Don't be worried about them boys. Right. Right. Cause maybe mama had her own tough experience with men. So these girls grow up and they become these super soldiers. They get to about 27, 28. They, they're kicking ass, taking names, starting businesses, getting master's degrees, all that. That's the experience. That's what I see when I look at the black woman, right? The boys, you know, not so much, right? The boys struggle a little bit because the boys didn't get that drill sergeant uh, mentorship, consistent every day, 24 hours a day mentorship from their father. Uh, like uh, most of these stupid things in my life that I did not do did not occur because my father would, was right over me saying that would be stupid. Why would you do that? Right. Or I could call him and say, hey, daddy, I was thinking about doing blah, blah, blah. Don't do that. That's stupid. Right. So 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 having that father there, it does make a difference. Uh, I, I talked to a woman the other day who told me about her uh, ex-husband who was uh, tell me if you if you know a guy like this. Uh, she had an ex-husband who was a pathological liar who uh, married her and did not even who made up a whole story about how he served in the military. He did not. He said that he had these businesses. He did not. He said that he'd done all these things in his life. He had not done any of these things. <clears throat> and after she has a baby with him, she finds out a year later after doing some investigation that his whole life was pretty much fabricated. Right. And then let me know if you know somebody like this. And so she gets on the phone with this guy's mother who raised him, you know, as a single mom. And she's pretty much like, well, he's trying to do better. He's trying to, he's a, it's not his fault, right? Anybody ever seen that? Like where the mama kind of is covering for the son and the son is a complete piece of shit. Like, you, you know what I'm talking Anybody know what I'm talking about, right? And uh, it, so, so it takes a village to, to create a, a sociopath, right? So, so it's not just him. It's, it's the mama. It's, it's sort of a collective effort. So black women can't say that you have nothing to do 
with how these black men turn out because, you know, you're playing a big part in raising these boys, right? And uh, so that boy that you throw out into the dating market is not a boy that you would want as your husband, but you're making him somebody else's husband because he's not a grown man. He's a bearded baby. I call them bearded babies. These are grown men who are over the age of 30 who have never learned to take responsibility for anything or anyone, not even themselves. Like, give me a yes if you know a bearded baby. They've never gone through any sort of transition into manhood where that requires them to take responsibility for their behavior or for the outcomes of anyone else. So, so this woman that had this baby with this man, he's not paying child support. And every time he doesn't pay his child support, she calls, she talks to the mom and the mama says, well, he's, he's trying, he's doing his best, right? But he's 38 years old. And, and, and he, nobody ever taught him that, as a, as a father, you don't just do your best. You do what is required, right? If, if your best is not what is required, then you keep on doing better than your best. You keep pushing to the point where the level that defines what is your best grows. You force yourself to grow. Right. So uh, so you become uh, unfortunately, if you don't get that training, you become what they call a need to grow. Need to grow means you need to be in situations where you're forced to grow. So so this is this is what we see. Right. Let's just be honest. Right? This is not everybody. This is not the whole black community. But y'all know people like that. And it gets reinforced in media. It gets reinforced, uh, say, th through hip hop culture, where a bunch of dysfunctional, uh, screwed up black men, uh, get, they give them a million dollars and put them on TV. They start rapping about money, drugs and hoes and everything else. And, uh, and and other men look at this and they say, oh, that I admire this behavior. This is what a man does when that's not manhood at all. But that's kind of what they market to you, because that's how they want your men to think. They want your men to be sloppy, irresponsible, unproductive human beings that are not taken seriously by society. And then you have the Democratic Party come along and say, well, the, the, it, it's OK because black on black crime doesn't exist. And also these men, uh, you know, you're 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 babies anyway, like you're 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 my minorities you're weak you don't have any agency in your own lives so just but just make sure you vote for joe biden and everything's gonna be okay right that's what you kind of get in this in america in my opinion now uh now again let's go back to that experiment earlier when i was speaking to you guys about what if you had uh most black children raised in a household where they did not have their mother instead of not having their father well let's do that experiment really quick this is something we used to do in statistics we would change one variable and see what would the outcome look like if you shifted one variable. So, so let's shift out. Let's put. Let's pull the mama out of the house. The mama. Now, let's say the mama's still around. The mama's like down the street or across town. You know, for half the kids, half the kids know where their mama lives, but they don't talk to her except maybe once every two weeks, right? But, but then let's say you live in a world where people still tell you, well, that's the same as having a mother in the house. That's okay. A mother, you know, it, it, as long as she talks to her kids once a month or picks them up on the weekends, it's the same as being a mother that's in the house. I think that's crazy. But that's what they say about fatherhood they'll say oh it's okay if the dad lives across town and and if, if he's calling the kids you know every two or three days and that's the same as having a father in the house I, that was not my experience that's not my belief so then also let's say that these kids are being raised by their fathers and let's say that their fathers are men who have gone through relationship experiences where they wanted the mother to say but stay but the mother left let's say the mother's all left because of you know different reasons drugs maybe they wanted to go chase some you know some extra men maybe they want to just go live their their best life and for whatever reason the father's kind of a little bit annoyed because the, he wishes that he had help with cooking and cleaning and, and 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 taking care of the kids and everything else around the house but he has no help so the child has grown up with just the father it's just me and daddy, right? I'm a boy. 
all I'm all I'm seeing is daddy, daddy's perspective, daddy's way of doing things. Daddy's always in charge. What's going to happen? Well, if I live with my dad and my mother was not there, let me tell you what my house, our house would have looked like. It would have basically been a pigsty. Number one, we would have pizza boxes and dirty drawers everywhere uh, because, you know, guys, this is what my brother and I lived together. That's what our house looked like when we lived together. Um, and uh, what else would happen? Uh, maybe I, his perspective on women would be my dominant perspective as well, because there's no woman there to balance it out. So if my father was a womanizer who says, yeah, you want to have sex with as many women as you can. Uh, women are good for one, two or three things, but they get on your nerves or whatever. And and then also we have this environment that's not built for a woman at all. It's it's only built for men. And every night we eat pizza and we watch football and we kind of just do guy stuff all the time. There's no feminine energy at all in that space. Process this now with me. I hope y'all with me. Let me know. If, give me a yes if you're following this, because I, I know it's taken me a second to lay this picture out, but I want to frame it for you so you can imagine this. Right. So then I go out into the world and then suddenly I'm dating women. Right. And I'm meeting women and I'm, you know, you like women, right? We're born. Most of us, uh, most men like women. Most women want a man. Right. So I want a woman. Right. If you say, do you want a woman? Boys? Yeah, of course I want a woman. Right. But my whole perspective on women and what they're good for has been thrown off balance because I just grew up in a house in a basically in a frat house with my daddy. Do You understand? So 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 effectively, you can see how certain bastardizations of, of my thinking can occur in terms of how I view women and how I react to women, right? Maybe I become a womanizer and I say, yeah, women are great for sex. Yeah. Just get you, you know, two, three girlfriends and just do it with them, whatever. Um, uh, if I decide to marry a woman, so let's say I marry a woman and, and we create a home together. Now it's not all masculine energy. Now I'm not living in the frat house no more. I'm not living with just me and my daddy and my brothers or whatever. It's me and 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 this woman, and she's bringing feminine energy into the house and 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 feminine perspectives. And and I'm just going to tell you, if you don't know this already, you probably do. Women are very different from men. The way my wife, what my wife wants for our house, is very different from what I want for the house. My wife came in one day and was like, "Boys, we need new floors." I'm like, "Why do we need new floors? Our floors are fine." Boys, these floors are terrible. We got to get new floors. Why? I said, I'm like, nobody has ever come into our house and told us, I hate your floors. Why are we going to spend all this money on new floors? Right? So, so that, that's a conflict. That requires some compromise. If you want to know the compromise, we, we got new floors. Because I, you know, I'm not going to argue with a woman over floors. Um, but honestly, don't tell my wife I said this. But to this day, I still don't understand why I had all these people up in my house uprooting the floor and giving us a new floor. The new floor is kind of nice. Like you put your socks on, you slide a little bit like Tom Cruise and, and uh, you know, when he was singing, take that old record off the shelf, right? You know, or, or you know, stuff like that risky business. That was a movie, right? So, so it's, it's kind of cool, but it's, it wasn't worth the thousands of dollars we spent to make it happen, but that's what she wanted. Cause women like women do tend to do stuff like that. Not to generalize or stereotype. I hope that, I hope I'm not sounding that way, but that's kind of, you know, or, or she'll wake up on a Saturday morning and say, Oh my God, we've got to clean this house. Boys, you got to get up and clean this house. I'm like, why? I, I want to lay in the bed and watch college football. Boys, you got to, we got to clean the house. We got to clean it. All right. Okay. Right. So, so think about, so process this, right. Imagine if I had grown up in an environment where 
I never had a mother to deal with. I had no reference to this. I've never seen this before. Now, I understood that energy that, you know, you know how y'all ladies do sometimes when y'all really got, like, you feel like cleaning the house by one o'clock is like a life or death situation, like a Saturday morning and everyone must clean. I, I never understood that. But guess what? I was, I, I, I adjusted because I remember my mother doing the same thing when, when I was a kid. She used to do the exact same thing. So I was like, okay, she's doing what mama used to do. But what if I had no reference to that? What if I grew, grew up in a frat house where cleaning was something that we only did once a year and uh, and I did not understand it? Well, well, I'm going to react differently. I might say, you know, I might say, yeah, you know, I tried to get married, but she'd be wanting to clean all the time and I can't be cleaning twice a week. Like, what's this lady talking about? This is crazy, right? So, 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 so I would say, well, I got a divorce, but it's not my fault because my wife, these women are crazy. They're terrible because they want to clean up the house all the time. The reason I'm coming to that conclusion is because I never grew up with a, a woman in the house. So here's what I'm going. Here's where I'm getting to. This is the conclusion to this framing I just laid out for you. I would be willing to bet you that the part of the reason that some women get divorced quickly or get rid of men quickly is maybe because you grew up in a household where you didn't have to deal with masculinity on a daily basis. I don't know. Again, this every relationship's different, so I'm not defining your relationship. So please don't take it personal. And if you don't agree, then it's okay to not agree. I just hope you'll let me know if you can at least hear what I'm saying here. I would be willing to bet you that a lot of, I, and I see, I hear women, I'll hear women talk to them and, or I'll talk to women and I'll say, well, well, why did you, why did you end the relationship? Oh my God, let me tell you what he was doing. He was doing, da, 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 da. he was doing this. Da, da, da. And then I find out though, that I'll be listening. I'll be thinking, you know, a lot of guys actually do that. You know, if you go out and get a new man, the new man's going to do those things. But the difference is he ain't going to care about you like your husband. Like he's, if you get sick and go to the hospital, he's not going to come visit you. Your husband will though. Cause that's his job. If he's a decent man anyway, but the new guy, you know, all the new stuff that you chasing at the age of 40, that don't that most just seriously. I'm, I'm serious. Like if you ask most black women in their forties, what it's like to be single on the dating scene, what are they going to say? Are they going to say, Oh my God, it's so wonderful. There's so many amazing options. So many high quality men that just are ready to commit. I, I, I just, I just have a new proposal from a new man every single week. Is that what they're going to say? Is that what they're going to say? Or are they going to say something different? Are they going to say, Oh my God, it's a nightmare. Let me tell you, because I, and, and, and I, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I, again, maybe in my experience is biased, but when I talk to my friends over the age of 40 that are dating, the, the women seem to be having a tough time. They don't feel that the options are super high quality. And, uh, and, and, and I'm sorry that that's happening for you if you're in that category, but I don't really know if, if so, so, so the question I would end up asking is, if you were 32 years old and you had a man that liked you and cared about you and was doing his best for you uh, and you're trying to work on building that empire, how much energy did you put into your own healing and your own growth that would have allowed you to make that thing work? Because um, I can just tell you, I dated, I was single all through most, a big chunk of my forties. There was no shortage of opportunities. There was no shortage because statistically speaking, there is a disproportionate number of of eligible black women relative to the numbers of black men. And, and at every stage of life, the imbalance actually grew. 
there was an imbalance, a little bit of an imbalance when I got to college because college, the women outnumber the men, you know, X to one or whatever that number is. Then graduate school, the air started getting even thinner. I would go to a conference for black PhDs. I would be the only single man within a hundred mile radius. And the other guy would be like some fat dude, some fat nerdy dude. So, so I had no competition. Then I became a professor. I would go hang out with black female professors. There would be no, there would not be other single men anywhere around. Right. And then and that was in my thirties. And then I got to my forties. It became even more dramatic. Right. And, and so my point on this is to say that I would argue that if you go back to that original premise, that original point that I was making about, about net, the net worth of a single black parent, particularly single black woman being the lowest in the country, and you want to partially solve that problem, some way, somehow, you want to find a way to get some help, or at least one way to solve it is to get some help. Uh, getting help might come in the form of having that partner in your life. But here's the thing. If you were raised in a household where you never saw the person running the household have to negotiate with another partner, having to compromise with another partner, having to work with another partner, it's probably going to be hard for you to do the same thing. You know, if, if I'm if I if I grew up watching my mama just make unilateral decisions and have nobody get in her way and just talk smack about anybody who tried well, then maybe I'm going to carry that same attitude. And uh, and I can just tell you for sure that uh, for some men, that's not going to work. That's not going to fly. I know it wouldn't fly with me because I, when I married my wife, I expected to have a significant say in the way this household was going to run. So if you told me, and, and, and the truth is, my you know, my wife had a father, but he didn't live in the house with her. And there have been times where I've said, no, uh-uh, no, we're going to, we're going to talk about this. You know, we're not, this is not, you know, so, so if you're growing, if you're trying to create a household that is different from the household that you grew up in, just know that that's like me trying to, if I'm trying to create a household that's built on Chinese culture, I'm going to have to go study Chinese culture. I can't guess and say, oh, well, I know what we can do. We can play uh, Bruce Lee movies and and have some Chinese food in the house. And that'll be the same as Chinese culture. The, there's a difference between emulating a culture that you've actually seen versus creating a culture that you where you built the emulation in your imagination and that's what people do they build imaginary marriages they build imaginary families in their head because they never took the time to study what does a functional family look like how many people have you talked to who've been married 30 40 years who can tell you what that's like how many people have you sort of been around and discussed this with to say how do you function a household where there is a man and a woman and everybody's uh, healthy and healed and and, and and helping each other what what does that look like if you've never if you never saw it on a daily basis it's going to be hard to create that so did you study that or did you come up with a, a, a sort of a, a, a construct maybe built on media, which is bullshit, of what you think a household's supposed to look like. So when you're so so you've got you're you're designing a play with different characters and you wrote the script for every character, and when one of the characters does not follow the lines that you wrote for him, then you say, Well, you he got to go. He got to go because he, he, a man shouldn't do this. Hey, man. And then you got your little single friend sitting around, can't keep a man themselves, telling you, oh, girl, oh, oh yeah, he got, he really got to go. Well, did, I mean, did you ha actually have any men 
that you talk to about what happened to where they can give you another perspective? Did you did you have a father in the house? They could tell you that, yeah, sometimes men do this. Sometimes men act like this. Did you um, did you grow up in a house where you saw your mother deal with certain things and have to look past certain things with, with your father in order to to keep the household together? Because I know I did. I show as hell did. I saw my father and my mother look beyond significant character flaws with each other. I significant. I'm not, and I'm not talking about just with him or just with her. I'm talking about the fact that my parents were able to stay married for 50 years because they did something a lot of people cannot and will not do, especially in a world where everybody is, is full of ego. You know what they did? They learned how to unconditionally accept one another. And if you've ever tried to do that with another person, that's really hard to do. It's really hard to do. They, they created the closest thing I have ever seen in my life to unconditional love. Unconditional love can be messy. I hope you understand what I'm saying. And, my, and so when I got married to my wife, I told her, I said, look, I don't know what your plan is for this marriage. I don't know what your construct is for what a marriage is supposed to look like. People are different. I said, but my construct is that you, my wife, I'm supposed to love you and your dirty draws and your mistakes, and in your highs, and your lows, and, and choices that you make. I really, even to the point where I never said it, but honestly, like, you know, if somebody said, well, if your wife cheated on you, would you would you dump her? I'd be like, mm, I have to think about that. I'd have to process that. I'd have to, you know, I don't know. It depends. And that And that's not popular to say. It's not, no, very few people are going to say, I get it. Most people are gonna say, "Oh no, hell no! You a simp? You a you a pick me?" Uh, they they make up all these stupid names. All these stupid people make up these stupid names to make fun of people who are really trying to figure it out. So 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 if I'm gonna leave you with anything, at the very least, I'm gonna beg you: don't listen to the dummies on the internet. People with terrible relationships who hate themselves, who are who who are who have egos to the ceiling, who will just say things, who talk a lot of smack. And ain't really doing nothing. And, they, and they'll sit here and give you advice like they know what the hell they're talking about. They don't know what they talk about because they ain't never been through nothing. So that that's 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 what I believe. And, and, and I hope that this discussion has it benefits you on some level. I know that you're not going to agree with everything I said, and that's okay. I just hope you will hear what I said. You know, if you're talking about here's the thing in this country, I'm gonna be a financial scientist for a minute. Americans are struggling financially. Single Americans are getting body slammed financially. Single Americans, you can't, young, under age 35, it's kind of done for a lot of you. It's just kind of done, honestly. The economy, it's a new economy. The prices of everything is here <laughs> and your, your incomes are here. It's hard. You, you follow, if you follow the, the path to economic success that they give you, you're going to be stressed out, struggling, drowning. Like getting your butt kicked left and right. I, 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 you know, seriously, I'm not here to tell you to follow the rules. I'm here to tell you to rewrite the damn thing. I, that's what I'm telling you. I mean, think about this. You go to school, they say, sit down, shut up. 
make good grades so that you can go to college and get a good job. Then you go to college, you go $100,000 in debt, a debt you can never repay, which then effectively makes you a corporate slave. So then you become a corporate slave, hoping that by being a good corporate slave, you'll make enough money to pay off the debt, but you can't because the cost of everything is going up. The cost of rent's going up. The cost of food's going up. <laughs> your student loans are hanging over your head and your, your weight. But the only thing not going up is your wages. So effectively, you're trying to, you're trying, you've got a size 14 shoe and you've got a size five foot and you're trying to fit, find a way to fill up that damn shoe. The only way you can fill up that shoe is if somebody else puts their foot in it with you. If, if you got if you got two, three feet in that shoe, then you can fill the size 14 shoe. But if you have a size five shoe and you're trying to stretch to a size six, but you're wearing a size, or excuse me, a size, a size five foot and you stretch to a size six and you're trying to fit a size 14 shoe, you will never succeed. It won't work. It won't work. So, so one of the great economic hacks that doesn't get discussed enough is learning how to manage your relationships so you can find somebody that you can get along well enough with where y'all can stay up in that goddamn house and pay them bills together, where y'all can raise them crazy-ass kids together. Do you understand? I, I, I think about maintaining my relationship with my wife the same way I think about maintaining my relationships with my most important business partners. Do you understand? If I got a partner that I'm working with and we're making money together and we're succeeding, I'm not going to go talk crazy to that person. I'm not going to disrespect that person. I'm not going to let my ego cause me to mess up a good thing. I'm not going to listen to my boys. Oh, man, that's disrespectful. How are you going to let him talk to you like, no, no. I'm putting my ego to the side because I'm looking at the big picture. I'm not going to play checkers with my wife. I'm going to play chess. So when me and my wife have a touchy situation or a potential brewing conflict, I try to tap into enough emotional intelligence to say, okay, how do I navigate this so that I can see the big picture? Because in five years, I won't remember what we were arguing about. But in five years, I will remember if I got a divorce and lost half of my shit. Do you understand? Emotional intelligence, people. Emotional intelligence is the cousin to healing. Healing requires emotional intelligence. There is no commitment to emotional intelligence. The only commitment, the only thing I see is a commitment to extreme emotional insecurity and immaturity. In our community. That's what I see. <clears throat> I see you see it everywhere. You see it all over the Internet. People going off on each other, acting a fool, cutting people off, disrespecting one another, being harmful toward each other. That's not energy that leads to success. That's energy that leads to not just chaos, but extreme poverty, suffering, lots of suffering. People that are alone in the world that, that are stranded, they suffer a lot. And then and then you see the suffering come out in their attitude toward other people. These, these are the meanest, nastiest people out here. They're mean and nasty because they, they can't figure it out. It's hard. Life is hard. They wake up sad. So don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. Again, another another dimension of emotional intelligence is the ability to see somebody who behaves that way and to know it ain't got nothing to do with you. They, they, they stabbing you over a bag of corn chips, but it ain't got nothing to do with the corn chips. So don't be trying to explain, you know, well, well you know, I, I bought you a bag last week. You shouldn't even be mad at me. Don't don't even try it. Just understand, like, I forgive you for you know not what you do. You've been affected by the psychological STD in the black community called trauma. And I, and I, I forgive you. I'm going to go and try to just heal from the, the fact that you just stabbed me in my stomach. And I'm not coming to your house for dinner next week. I'm going to get out of here. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. Um, 
it, we have a social media platform, by the way, at b1nation.us. So if you want to go join us and hang out with like-minded people, just go to b1, be the number one nation.us, not.com, it's .us. Uh, we're getting away from Facebook and Instagram and all that because, you know, I lost those 500,000 followers on Instagram. So it's like I'm not going to try to go rebuild. I, I have an Instagram over there, Dr. Boyce Finance, if you want to follow me. But I'm not I'm not going to rebuild on Instagram. We'll build somewhere else. But it's OK, though. Don't worry about us. We did lose the Instagram, but we have we're on, like I said, I'm on 50 platforms. We got millions of followers on different spaces. I don't even tell everybody all the platforms we have because um because that's, you know, that's just something we've always done. All right. So anyway, uh, B1Nation.us. Tomorrow night at 8 p.m., uh, we are doing a stock options income event. Uh, it, it, it's um, Prime 101, Dr. Boyce Prime 101.com. I'll put the URL on the screen. If you'd like to join us, feel free. Uh, we're going to talk about stock options, selling stock options to generate income. Uh, everybody loves the Prime program, by the way. So many people love it. If you know anybody that's in it or if you're in the chat and you're in it, just say something. But if you know anybody that's in it, just ask them. It's uh, focused around uh, using, you know, the, 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 the training I have in finance to show you ways to generate income quickly from stock options. So literally tomorrow, if you hang out with us tomorrow, it's 90 minutes long. When you walk out of there, you will have some strategy you can apply that can make you money that week, like right away like this. And I'm not kidding. I'm not over promising. Uh, as long as you have a little bit of investment capital, a little bit of money to invest, I can show you, I'm going to show you exactly where you can put it and generate, uh, in, increase your income tomorrow. So feel free, if you'd like to join us, just go to drboyceprime101.com. Uh, the training's $129, The uh, but everything is yours for life. The slides, all the materials, yours for life. So feel free to go to drboyceprime101.com, or you can also text the word STOCK to 31996. Some of you are already on the list. If you're not, uh, text the word STOCK to 31996, and I'll send you a link where you can join us tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. Right? Because as you guys know, in the Black Business School, we don't just talk about uh, trauma healing as a pathway to wealth creation through family. We also talk about the X's and O's of finance. We know all these things. This is easy for us. We can do this in our sleep. So God bless you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And I appreciate your kind words. I see Zena, Andrea, and everybody else. I will see you guys soon. And I hope you guys have a great day. And I hope this conversation was helpful to you. Talk to you later. Peace. Here we are, clan, the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now, family, we the ones who gotta delegate. Get that money in the power, never be fake. Stick to co-sign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten. Three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is bliss, but we can turn it to intelligence. Please, none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down here on Dr. Voice TV. Here we are.